0: You're listening to hashtag nofilter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh weekly. For more hot takes, go and give me a follow at just plain Zach. I always keep it funny and I always keep it cute. Or if you're like me and you want to stay up to date with the latest reality tea, go and give us a follow at No Filter with Zach on the Instagram. Or you can join our private Facebook group. The link is in the description below. I hope you're sipping on some physical. Fiz- Housewives inspired wine for yourself, packing a punch at 13% alcohol by volume, but less than a gram of sugar. It's my housewives watching wine because it's the wine that I drink when I'm watching some housewives. It's no filter wine available in two fun flavors a light, fizzy, crisp rosé and a light fizzy crisp white wine both available at nofilterwine.com must be 21 or older to order you can order at nofilterwine.com be sure to sip responsibly but hopefully you'll be getting litty city this weekend head over to nofilterwine.com okay we have so much tea to break down um (laughs) we will be I want to put this Patrick Summers uh, uh, low budget tea to rest so we're going to recap him because he seems to have resurfaced after last week in this whole situation with Garcelle and the bots and Jax and real houses of Beverly Hills which we'll address we'll get into all of that Um, and a lot of updates that came in over the weekend Katie Maloney was disinvited from Sheena Shane Brock Davis's wedding so we'll dive into that as well and just like a lot of little updates that came in but I want to put something to rest, and that is this Patrick Summers person. He seems to be going around and exposing all these housewives with all these crazy, wild, outlandish stories, and it's time to dissect fact from fiction and actually figure out who this kid is, okay? Some people reached out to me, people that grew up with him know him um whatever weeks ago i've i've had this information that i've never revealed because it's like why are we going to give this kid a platform but now i'm just like listen let me tell you who this person actually is so you can stop paying attention to him stop following him stop giving him any air time and then people are like because i posted an instagram reel over the weekend and people are like why are you giving him more attention all you're doing is writing his coattails and i'm like what fucking coattails he don't have any coattails anyway Was he hired by Kathy Hilton? Was he hired by Lisa Renner? Was he hired by Garcelle? Is he coming to the Beverly Hills reunion? Because that's his latest assertion is that he is going to be at the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills reunion, which Bravo has already announced is not true. He was not invited. He won't be there. Um, I've already on Instagram uh, given my own uh, prediction. I think that Closer to the reunion, which tapes next week. Um, He's going to, at the very last minute, say that Bravo decided to cut him. The production company, you know, pulled out last minute. Lisa Renner refused to film. Or it's going to be some wild story about how he was supposed to be at the the Beverly Hills reunion. And he wasn't at the last minute because it was a production call. He's probably going to do like what Brandy Glanville said when Denise refused to film. And Brandy couldn't do the reunion after all. I wouldn't even be surprised if we see a selfie of him, a photo that he posts to his Instagram story where he's like, "Look at I was all ready to go, ready to tape the reunion, and then at the last minute they cut me because Lisa Rinna refused to show up. She threw a tantrum backstage. I don't know. He'll have some dramatic story. But anyway, he wasn't hired by Kathy Hilton. He wasn't hired by Lisa Rinna. He was not hired by Garcelle, which was also something that he uh, addressed on his Instagram stories. He wasn't hired by any Housewives. <sighs> he's a kid from Utah. Okay." He literally grew up in Salt Lake City, clearly loves attention. So as you'll remember, it all started when Lisa Rinna received an anonymous text message that was a threat to her. Um, She thought that it came from Kathy Hilton, so she took a screenshot, posted it on her Instagram story. People began flooding. She didn't realize, or I don't know if she did realize or didn't realize, but... Regardless, the phone number was in the screenshot. People then decided to blow up the phone number. We then found out this phone number belonged to this kid. He says his name is Patrick Summers. I believe if you actually look up the phone number, it's registered to like a guy named George. Um, I don't know. I know in the past when you look up people's phone numbers, sometimes it doesn't always have the most up-to-date information. I think I looked up my own phone number a couple years ago and it was registered to somebody else's name. Um, I think it was registered under like a business name um, that was not my name. So maybe this is his number. Maybe his name really is Patrick. Who knows? Anyway, this kid saw a way in. He wrote on it. He then started, uh, he then posted Lisa Rinna's phone number everyone's like well how would he have her phone number if they weren't actually in cahoots there are a lot of easy ways you can pay $10 on the internet to get somebody's phone number there are many ways to actually get people's information um you can also get it from a friend of a friend I was literally at a party a couple weeks ago and I met these women and they were like oh my god you do housewives and all this stuff and they're like guess what I have Nini's phone number and I was like oh okay cool and then they she literally like airdropped me Nini's phone number, and I was like, got it. Okay, don't know what I'm going to do with this. Don't think Nini will ever come on my show, and I think it would be kind of weird if I was just like, hey, Nini Leagues, it's me, Zach Peter. I want to have you on my podcast from a random text message. Like, that just is inappropriate and weird. So it's not hard to get somebody's phone number. Um, So... There are a million different ways he could have gotten her phone number after he realized that she posted his phone number. Or he it seems like he already had it since he sent the threatening text message to begin with. My theory is that I think he somehow got the phone number the same way I probably got, like, Nini Lee's phone number. And if I wanted to, like, prank Nini and, and do the same thing with her, like, I think he did it just to get a rise out of Rena. I didn't think he realized she was going to post it on her Instagram story. And then when she did and people became aware of who he was, you know, he just rode with it he was then DMing with this account on Instagram your moms are watching and that's the name of the ha- that's the handle your moms are watching and so he was DMing with them and seemed uh, he seemingly alluded to the fact that Kathy Hilton was the one that hired him or someone from Kathy's camp is the one that hired him and your moms were watching started posting about that they gave him a lot of attention at the beginning and i was like guys like Let the mouse go. Stop giving him attention. Like, that's why we're still talking about him all to this day. To be fair, it wasn't just your moms are watching. A lot of uh, mainstream press started to write stories about him and use his photos and seem to give credibility to what he was saying about being hired by Kathy Hilton. And then he came out and he's like, no, I was actually hired by Lisa Rinna. This was all an orchestration. Um, He then claimed that it was actually Lisa Rinna's publicist, Jill Fritzo, who hired him and you know, Jill, I believe, also represents Denise Richards. I don't know. He kept trying to there were all these vague insinuations that he was connected to all these different housewives. He kept attaching himself to Lisa Rinna. Originally, you know, he went on Twitter and was po- he posted like a, fi- a picture of him next to these two guys that he said were his lawyers and he was going to take legal action against Lisa Rinna. Then he did like an interview on somebody's Instagram account where, you know, he claimed that Lisa Rinna was racist towards him. Then he posted a tell-all video that was only like five minutes where he was telling his truth. And he also made accusi- accusations of racism against Lisa Rinna. He was claiming that he had a marketing agency and that this marketing agency was hired to um, do all of this you know, crazy orchestration. And that he was paid, I want to say it was like $27,000 for this campaign um, to do create distraction about Aspen or to deflect from Aspen. I don't really know, but he, the story kept changing and that's why it's hard to keep up with it because the story kept changing, who he was related to kept changing. Um, He doxed Lisa Rinna. He most recently doxed Kathy Hilton. Um, He's had a lot of things to say about me on his Instagram story. He's poked fun at my face and my teeth. Listen, I I know my bottom teeth are crooked. Uh, Yes, I've never hid the fact that I wear a tinted moisturizer and I put concealer under my eyes and I fill in my brows and I bleach my hair. Like these are not things that are foreign to me. So if the, the biggest shots that you can take at me are poking fun at my face and my teeth or whatever the case may be. Like, that goes to show that you have nothing on. Like, there's, what, you're just going to poke fun at the way that I look? Like, what are you, back in elementary school? I mean, he's, like, in his, like, early to not even mid-20s, I don't think. I think he's, like, 23 or 24. Anyway, he claimed to have this marketing agency, and he was paid $27,000, which is not a real number. Like, nobody is paying anybody $27,000 for A marketing campaign. Like, that's just unheard of. Even Jill Fritzo, who is a pretty big publicist here in Hollywood, she's not even getting paid by her celebrity clients to actually perform. Any sort of PR or marketing campaigns for that amount of money. Like, one campaign is not gonna be worth that. Maybe if it was a months long campaign and it was a really big project and you were working for like a major company, I'm talking like Disney or Sony, and it was like a, a major campaign, not like a housewives campaign, and not just to stir up some shit on social media. Like, the whole thing was just so outlandish. If you Google him, there's literally nothing on the internet about this kid, you know. You can Google Jill Fritzo. You can Google people that actually have PR firms, marketing firms, social media firms. There's a digital footprint, you know? Even like people like me or some of like the um, people that run like PR for housewives that are a little more low key. You still, at least, if you Google them, you'll at least see photos of them like. I get, uh, on Getty Images at different like events and stuff. There's literally nothing about this person. I, his name is Patrick what Summers Somers. Sometimes he spells it with an R. Sometimes he or sorry with an E. Sometimes he doesn't spell it with an E. Nobody even knows if that's even his real name. There's nothing on the internet about a Patrick Summers. On his Instagram bio, he recently said that he was featured in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes three times. Type in his name. Type in Wall Street Journal with his name. Type in Forbes with his name. Those articles don't exist. You can type in my name at any publication, and those articles will pop up easily. That's what happens when you're actually listed in real publications, and you actually get coverage. You can Google it. You can verify it. None of that is verifiable. Also, very high-profile celebrity clients... Don't you think this would ruin your relationship with very high-profile celebrity clients if you're doxing celebrities and also – outing who your clients are if you have an NDA, or he says that he wasn't even paid in full, that he was only paid in half, and that's why the NDA doesn't stick. Again, a lot of vague insinuations, a lot of alluding to a lot of things, and people keep screenshotting him and DMing me things that he's saying and sharing what he's saying and giving legitimacy to it. There's virtually no digital footprint on the internet of this person, which does not make them a credible person, okay? Okay. Even the tweets, because he'll post on his Instagram stories these tweets of people that are supporting him. The tweets aren't even real. Um... It's it's so wild to me. Like, look, here's a, a perfect example. He posted over the weekend um, from this account, Kelsey, and the Instagram handle from his Instagram story, you can see the handle is at K-E-L-C-A-L. And then if you actually go on Twitter and type in that Instagram handle, at K-E-L-C-A-L, that's... Registered to somebody named Kelly Calamus, who joined Twitter in 2019 and has zero followers, is, isn't following anybody and hasn't tweeted since 2009. Um, looks like a fake account or an account that somebody created and didn't do. But he created an entirely fake tweet that says, "I can." That was. Seemingly coming from this account that says, I can confirm Patrick is a real person. He was at an L.A. mansion Saturday but posted a video from a different angle. So the AI conspiracy is out of the question, or are we running with it? Hashtag R-H-O-B-H. And it apparently has 35 replies, 44 retweets, and 76 likes. It doesn't exist. That tweet does not exist. It is a totally Photoshopped, fabricated tweet. That is the level of craziness we're dealing with here, you guys. This tweet does not exist on the internet at all. Not from this account, not from that handle. Um, look it up yourselves. It's not there. It doesn't exist. The timestamp is there and that still doesn't exist. So it's wild. Even other tweets that he's posted about his father, who I don't even really believe is his father. Like it's so, the level of delusion is wild to me, but, um, but it, it really is like a pathological liar at this point. But here's what I was able to find about him. Um, apparently, he grew up in Utah. His father does have some money. And daddy helped him move out to L.A. back in 2020. He moved out here with his boyfriend. I don't believe the boyfriend is still here. So listen, if the boyfriend did move with him from Salt Lake City to L.A., I mean, that's some, you know, Ronald Richards ex-wife type of type of shit right there. Came. Okay? Rode rode your money for the free trip out here. And now here we are. Now that I'm in L.A., peace out, homie. You cray cray. I'm out. Cuckoo Magoo. Peace. So um, apparently, according to people that went to high school with him, he used to pull crazy stunts like this in high school all the time. You know, he's just somebody that thrives off of drama. So, I mean, it checks out since every story that he's ever tried to sell us appears to be inaccurate. It appears to be easily debunked either by a simple Google search or by his own later admission of stories. Like when he claimed that he was behind, you know, the bots that were coming after Garcelle's son. And in his statement, he says that he's never experienced racism when just a few weeks ago he was talking about how he experienced racism firsthand at the hand of Lisa Rinna. So, listen, the most logical thing is he's a fan of the show, he got lucky, he wrote a wave of attention, we've continued to give him attention, I don't care to continue to give him attention. I know I'm still doing this, but that's because there are people that still believe that he's actually credible. Um he's a kid from Utah. He's out here living off of daddy's money. He seems to ride in a crowd um of other kids that seem to have money, but he doesn't have a marketing agency. He doesn't have a PR firm. He doesn't have a social media bot company. Um, he wasn't behind the orchestration to send bots after Jack Scarcell's son. He wasn't hired by Kathy Hilton. He wasn't hired by Lisa Rinna. He wasn't, I don't even think he was hired by a Beverly Hills producer because I know Lisa Rinna was trying to allude to that on her Instagram story that she thinks the producer is behind some of this as well. I don't even believe that to be true. I really think he's somebody that thought he was going to prank Lisa Rinna by getting her phone number and sending her a threatening text message, probably hoping she would think that it's Kathy and he would probably have a fun story, a funny story to tell people. I don't think he ever expected it to get this big. I don't think he ever expected to get the press coverage that he got. But once people started to run with it, and once we have these Instagram accounts that are giving him all these attention, yes, I know my account is one of them. I'm acknowledging that. But I'm saying I'm doing this not to give him legitimacy, but to shoot his credibility and show that this person— doesn't even seem to be a re, I mean, he's obviously a real person because we know he gave a, um, we know he gave a, an interview to that, uh, something about a black, heart, blonde hair, black heart, I believe was the name of the Instagram account or something similar to that. Don't quote me, I'm sorry. Um, but he gave an interview to that account and then he also posted his tell all video on Instagram. So it's clearly a real person, but he's just a kid that has no real legitimacy at this point. And if the biggest shots that he can take are come at me from what? Making fun of the way that I look? Like, that shows the level of elementary. That shows, you know, where his head's at, you know? So, whatever. Let the mouse go. We're going to classify Patrick Summers under low budget. Or actually, no budget. um, And we're just going to file that out the window. Let's talk about Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. So, was the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills... Was the show, was Real Houses of Beverly Hills skipped last week because of the incident involving Garcelle's son where we saw Bravo make a statement? We saw Garcelle come out. All the housewives had to post Bravo's statement to their Instagram accounts as well. If they didn't skip it over the Diana Jenkins incident with Philly Diva— Or the Sutton Strack incident on TikTok with her daughter's former friend calling Sutton racist, saying that she was being racist towards her because she's Chinese um, or of Asian descent. And she, you know, said that Sutton was racist towards her. If Beverly Hills wasn't skipped for either of those two incidents, then i They're not going to skip it over some fan theory about some bots. So let's actually get into the whole bots thing, okay? Because everybody seems to think that that's a really legitimate theory. And I've found zero evidence of that actually being true. So let's talk about the bots. Because Garcelle has not referred to them as bots at all. Bravo did not refer to them as bots either. I think if they were bots, I don't think Bravo would have issued a statement. Nor would Garcelle have, have... has been so visibly like affected by all of this. If they were just bots, you know what I mean. This was an Instagram account, I believe, that started this theory that they were bots. Okay, bots. Because a lot of people DM me and they're like, "What's a bot? What's a bot?" So a bot, B O T S. I believe it's short for robots. They're essentially fake Instagram accounts. They're created by some type of like auto-generated software system usually they're intended to create good engagements like a flood of likes and positive comments on your posts and fake followers that are really made to make you look more popular than you actually are on whatever social media platform they're very common on instagram for fake followers they're also they've also been common on twitter to create fake engagements or fake conversations about things um so lots of people pay software accounts to send bots to flood their page for good engagement. Again, it's just to make you look more popular. That's how a lot of these like Instagram influencers stay uh, or seemingly look successful, right? But they're not actually successful because there's no um, there's no conversion rate. So that's why a lot of brands, when they were at the beginning, they were spending a lot of money on influencers that had all of these followers, only to find out that they weren't legitimate followers. They weren't actually real people. So where this appears to be a target on Jax is there was a pattern of negativity that he was receiving. Now, I did not see his account personally. I kind of caught on to it a couple of days after because I saw save and I saw the Housewives posting about it. I saw Garcelle posting about it. I believe at that point Jax had already made his account private. Um, but I do believe how this started is there was a large Instagram account that posted on their Account about comments that Jax was getting um, that were seemingly bots. Now, I did not see these, nor have I seen any actual legitimate screenshots of these actual bots on Jax's page, other than that original post that came from that Instagram account. I believe it has since been deleted because the people that claim to have seen it weren't able to find it when I asked them if they had, if they remember what page had posted it or anything. So again, Garcelle and Bravo never used the word or the term. I don't think there would have been an actual statement released if that were the case. And even in Jax's own statement himself, he referred to them as middle-aged women that were sending him messages. So I read that as there are these crazy Karen moms that watch Housewives. that get super obsessed and fixated on this. And they want to fight for their housewife and whatever. And they were DMing him because he said that they were sending messages about his family. Um, Which, to me, made it... I assumed that they were probably mean messages about his mom, racist messages that were inappropriate um, in reference to their culture. Cause obviously garcelle has been very open about their Haitian culture and she's, you know, beautifully displayed it throughout the show with hosting dinners and whatnot. So, Bots usually aren't women specifically, they're like foreign accounts, or they're accounts without profile pictures, or they're nameless accounts with like a sunset for a picture, but it's like, you know, they're seemingly not real Accounts, You know, and history has shown us that with the Beverly Hills audience specifically, the visceral hate is real and intense from people that watch these shows. Women have come for Kyle's daughter, Portia. People were talking awfully about Erica's son back in 2020, who is a police officer, you know, very hot topic back in 2020 people, um, Rinna says that that her daughters have faced a lot of this hatred. Dorit has faced it with her kids. I'm not trying to compare them. That's not to say that because, you know, Erica's grown son and Dorit's younger children and Garcelle's teenage son, they're all very different. So I want to make it clear. Yes, they are very different in the severity. I mean, depending on how you want to look at it. Sure. However, the common denominator is that These are all mothers, and these are their children that are being affected, so regardless of age, the children should not be a target of your hatred for their mothers, okay? Don't target anyone's family members because you don't like their mom, okay? That said, my heart does go out to Garcelle and it does go out to Jax because I believe that he was the most recent victim of cyberbullying and not necessarily a target of a strategic bot attack. That may be true and if I'm wrong and somebody has actual evidence to prove that this bot theory is really what was going on, but I don't believe that's what Garcelle and Bravo or Jax were referring to when they issued their statements. So the whole bot theory, it really only blew up. One, because you had the original Instagram account that was sharing this theory, and two, because Patrick then inserted himself into the Patrick Summers, the cuckoo bird, Cuckoo Magoo on, on Instagram. He inserted himself into this conversation claiming that he was hired to send bots after Jax. And he was also the one that was claiming that the messages were uh were racist. I remember remember if Jack's necessarily said racism or just negativity, um, against his family. I don't remember if he specifically used the term racist or if Garcelle did, or I don't believe Bravo did either. Um, I believe they just referred to them as negative comments that he was receiving about his family, which I took as negative comments people were sending him about his mom. But, um, all of Patrick's stories have eventually been proven false either by himself or, you know, actual facts um and i personally think if these are real women that are sending him these messages that's worse than bots because these are real people that are sending nasty mean comments to a child you know But no, they didn't skip the show last week, and it was not because of any of this. It was likely because they probably needed some more time to edit the reunion, which doesn't film until next week. I believe it films on September 9th, which is next Friday. So we have a little time. So there's still a little time left in the season. Um, I know there was a rumor that the reunion was taping this week. It's not filming this week. I've been told it actually films September 9th, which means that we still have a lot of time to go before the season wraps, and we're probably not going to see the reunion until the end of October. And at this point, I'm this is my own speculation now, I'm assuming it's probably going to be a four-part reunion, given there's going to be so much that needs to address. It's already a long season. It's already, what, like a 20-episode season at this point twenty twenty one episodes, not including the reunion? So... All of those episodes that we still have to get through, all of the drama that we're going to have to address, we're going to have to address the Elton John stuff, the Lisa versus Sutton stuff, the Erica versus Sutton stuff, the Dorit Robert, like we're going to have to readdress all of those things, Crystal's eating disorder on top of, um, you know, Garcelle's son, or the women receiving hatred for the uh, hatred being directed at their kids on top of Lisa Rinna's social media posts on top of um, Diana versus Philly Diva. I'm pretty sure all those things are going to be brought up because a lot of the women are clapping back at each other on social media and saying they can't wait for the reunion. So I'm anticipating this is probably going to be a four-part reunion. I have no guarantee of that. That's just my own prediction, okay? But I do know from what I've been told, it films September 9th who's ready to talk about some Vanderpump rules. Ooh, this is some juicy tea. So apparently Katie Maloney was disinvited from Sheena and Brock's wedding after screaming at Schwartz and Raquel after catching them making out in Mexico. So an eyewitness is now telling Hollywood Life that prior to Sheena and Brock's wedding ceremony, I believe the timeline was a little murky, but I believe this was the same day just before the ceremony. So earlier in the day, Obviously, they were all in Mexico for the wedding, including Katie. That's where Schwartz and Raquel were caught making out. According to the eyewitness source, they were making out the entire time or according to multiple sources that were attending the wedding festivities that weekend. Uh, They were making out on several different occasions throughout the trip. And they weren't very discreet about it either. So on the morning of the wedding, according to this article, Katie caught them and they ended up in a screaming match. And then Katie, who was who ended up being a no-show at the ceremony and the after party, Brock ended up coming out and commenting on an Instagram post that, published a story about Tom and Raquel making out, Brock commented on it, claiming that Katie was actually disinvited from the wedding before she announced that she was on a girl's trip out in Cancun. Because remember, last week, Sheen was like, I'm not in town for their wedding. I already had plans to be here, and I was on a girl's trip and blah, 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 blah. Brock saying that that's not the case. Apparently, she was supposed to attend the ceremony, but didn't because she was uninvited, probably related to this incident where she got into a screaming match with Tom and Raquel after they were caught making out in Mexico. Mexico! Katie then jumped in and clapped back at all of the untruths that were being reported. So, whatever went down in Mexico, it sounds like it was real juicy. So, James and, or sorry, not James, Schwartz and Raquel. Seem to be seem to be getting it hot and heavy. What do you guys think? Are Raquel and Schwartz really a rebound fling? Should they be allowed to make out so publicly, or is it disrespectful to their exes, considering their exes are still in the same friend group? Obviously, DJ, DJ James Kennedy was there, and he was doing his little DJ at the after party, and I believe he put together the mix of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, which is the song that Sheena walked down the aisle to. So, James was there, Katie was there, they seem to be you know very much around the group, so if this is true and these eyewitnesses are claiming that that Schwartz and raquel were making out, is it disrespectful? you know obviously Raquel broke up with James, but Katie's the one that filed for divorce from Tom, and if she's the one that's just upset, does she have a right to be upset? She says that she's been over Tom for a while she's the one that broke up with him she's the one that filed for divorce. I kind of feel like. I don't know. I'm a little torn here. Drop a comment below. And while you're there, smash that like button if you're watching this on YouTube and let me know what you guys have thought. Also, thank you for the really kind, sweet Apple podcast reviews. They really do mean a lot to me and they really do help the show. So please keep leaving those if you feel compelled and you're listening to this on Apple podcasts. Okay, a couple other updates from over the weekend. Are you ready? So Carl Ragtke and Lindsay Hubbard are engaged. They got engaged over the weekend while filming Summer House. So we will get to watch their whole engagement story unfold next season. Congrats to Carl and Lindsay. They made it official in a, a with a photo shoot and a statement issued through People Magazine or People Online. So congrats to Carl and Lindsay. I actually think they're a great couple. I think they balance each other out. I know a lot of people were shading Lindsay and been like, well, Carl knows what he's getting into. Yeah, because he's been friends with her for a really long time. So I think he knows her a little better than we know her based off of what we see of her on a reality show on Bravo. So I'm actually happy for these two. I like them both. They've both been on No Filter before. Carl's been on the show several times. Um, Lindsay was on just a few months ago. So I think this is great. You know, at the time, I remember asking her if she thought Carl was endgame, and she's like, yeah, Carl's absolutely endgame, and it seems like they're going all the way, so congrats to them. Carl's hot. Yum, yum. I hear he's a little, well, actually, I don't know. I heard he wasn't as swinging downstairs, but listen, he's hot. he don't need it. I'd actually prefer them on the smaller side. So over the weekend I did I attended a fun launch party for uh this new soju brand which is actually called soju but it's spelled X O J U and so soju it's a Korean spirit that is distilled from apples um I guess it's similar to like a vodka or a gin but it's a little more like distinguished in flavor and this one specifically this soju is distilled from apples so they had lots of apples and i brought home some apples and then i ate the apples and they were really yummy i don't know why i'm raving about apples but anyway it's a really po- i guess it's really popular in the korean community and they want to you know make it more available cuz you don't really go to the bar and order like a soju drink you order like a vodka or a tequila or you know I guess people Why are people drinking gin again. I feel like that was a thing for a hot second. But anyway, Leah, who you'll remember, was on the podcast a couple months ago. She starred in the most recent season of Netflix's Bling Empire. She was on the show with Kevin, who was also on Bling Empire. She's one of the founders of this new soju brand. So she invited me to the party. It was a lot of fun. It was. I had a blast. I was dancing. I was getting Lady City. They had drinks with the soju. They had Voss water for everyone. You know, we love some Voss water. Give me that Voss water and that nice little... Glass bottle, you feel fancy. We're feeling fancy at this Bel Air party, honey. They had some live performances. They had like Cheryl K. Gare- Cheryl K. There, she had sang for Crazy Rich Asians. They also had Juno Flow there. He was putting on a show. I was like, okay, Juno, okay. It was a fun party. Kevin was there. Andrew Gray was there. He was also on Bling Empire. He was like one of the the villains, I would, say, I guess you would classify, in the first season. And then he came back for season two. Um, so it was a good time. I had a blast. So I just want to say thank you to Leah. And if you guys are interested in trying soju, I'm not paid to endorse it or support it. I just am grateful that she invited me to the party and was like really, you know, sweet and gracious enough to let me have some soju. So I actually am enjoying soju. I tried it for the first time a couple weeks ago, um, but that was a rice-based soju. That one was good. Um, So soju's like making a comeback. Apparently Kyle Richards is like a fan of soju. Bruce, Andy Cohen's best friend, Bruce. I don't remember. Bruce Bozzi, is that him? The one that never has a shirt on? Um, And looks like he bakes out in the sun 24-7. He has his own soju brand. um, And I tasted that one. I was like, oh, that was the first time I'd ever heard of it. Uh, I've never heard of soju before. I'm normally a vodka drinker, but I really liked this soju. It just launched here in L.A., Leah's brand, so... I had a good time. I would suggest you guys give it a try. So we had the VMAs over the weekend. Um, I honestly didn't recognize many of the people with the VMAs, to be honest with you. I was looking at some of the fashion. I'm like, I don't know half of these people. Um, I mean, obviously you recognize like Taylor Swift. Johnny Depp made his first like public appearance for the first time, even though he wasn't like actually there. It seemed like it was like a digital thing, right? So Melissa Gorga was there, as was Joe Gorga. They walked the red carpet. Um, People were comparing her outfit to Teresa's reunion outfit. Because Teresa had the jumpsuit on that had, like, the reflective little mirror pieces. Melissa had on something very similar. It was kind of like a more nude jumpsuit with sparkly bedazzles all around it. And, you know, people were like, twinsies. I saw people posting side-by-side comparison pictures. So... I mean, listen, is it just the trend? Is Melissa really trying to copy Teresa? You know, Teresa's going to say that. But Melissa walks the red carpet and she addresses the drama from this most recent season saying that she really needed like a hard break. She said she's ready to move on from the wedding drama and she's just kind of ready to put it all behind her. Frank Catania also did an interview I don't remember what show or what podcast it was, and I feel like an asshole not giving them credit. But it was just kind of like a clip that I saw, I believe, like on TikTok in passing. He was talking to someone, and he was saying um, that the re- the finale was wild, and that he had to like interject and like help separate people because the women were getting wild and the men were getting wild, and production had to step in, and it was like a crazy screaming match at the finale, which is like, oof, sounds like this is gonna be a feisty episode of Joyzy. Teresa actually also kind of briefly addressed the drama as well. She did an event over the weekend. She appeared um, on a panel on stage alongside Dorinda Medley and Dolores Catania. And they were at the, the live casino and hotel in Philadelphia and so they did a panel together and there teresa talked about ramona and how remember ramona posted her wedding invite on her instagram stories and so teresa was like oh my god ramona and so the people in the audience were asking questions about it and she said that she was like she had to call dorinda to get ramona's phone number because she couldn't find her in his, or ramona's phone number and she's like ramona you need to take it down now like you're on tv i'm on tv my fiance has crazy exes like we can't have them showing up at at the Reunion or sorry, at the wedding, and so she had to resend out wedding invites and she had to hire extra security, so it ended up being quite expensive for Teresa. And she said, but Ramona was still invited. She said, Ramona is the one that the RSVP that she couldn't attend after all, which is interesting. So it's unclear if Ramona was never planning on attending or she got embarrassed after everybody freaked out about posting the wedding invitations. But it seems like she's kind of trying to keep a more low profile away from anything Housewives related. I know there are rumors going around that Ramona was, is not invited back to Legacy. I don't know if those rumors are actually true, but I've heard them for quite some time from a couple of different... I mean, I guess no real credible sources, but I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't invite Ramona back for Legacy. Um, but it's just weird, right? Because we have this like uh, these double standards, whereas I think... Dorinda has been very dark and problematic and has said stuff. I think Luann has had moments where she's, you know, maybe not been her best self. I think last season was also kind of reflective of that. So is it really just because people are louder about Ramona? Um, Because at one point Ramona was praised for her behavior and her behavior was encouraged. And I think the network definitely encouraged her and her crazy antics by rewarding her so i don't know i think there are a lot of double standards for sure um i think if you're gonna do a show about real housewives legacy i think ramona is part of that legacy because she's the only cast member that was a full-time cast member of every single season and listen when you think of new york you think of ramona Right. I think Ramona is probably, aside from Bethany, probably the most noticeable and recognizable housewife of New York, again, outside of Bethany to a mainstream audience. Maybe not to us. I think the fans really like Sonia or maybe some of them have like a niche for uh, Luann or Dorinda or whatever the case may be. But I think Ramona is probably one of the more recognizable ones because she was one of the main ones since day one. So I don't really think there is legacy without Ramona. I know people aren't going to like that answer, but I don't really care if you like it or don't like it at this point. Go join Patrick Summers and make fun of my teeth. I really don't give a fuck at this point. But she wasn't at Teresa's wedding, um, and there's a good chance she might not be in Legacy. I believe the Real Houses of New York reboot has already been cast. I know there was one woman who was like a Jewish matchmaker slash like fashion uh, influencer on Instagram. She's married to a plastic surgeon. She was recently announced. Um, I don't remember her name. And again, I'm going kind of off script and just based off of memory from a few weeks ago. But I did post about it on Instagram stories. She was announced as one of the most recent women that has come has been added to the list of cast members. There was also another woman that came out and did an Instagram story. I believe she was like a motivational speaker or something. She came out and she was like, I was in casting. Um, I made it to the final round of casting at the end. They ended up chopping me off and I'm not going to be doing the show after all, but she kind of talked a little bit about her story. So it does appear that the new Real Housewives of New York show has been fully cast and I assume production will begin probably in September, if not maybe September, October. I really like Real Houses of New York in the fall and the winter. Um, I just kind of like New York around that time versus in the summer. Cause in the summer you kind of just go to like the Hamptons and stuff, but I kind of like seeing the women in New York. I know I've said, I'm not really interested in this new reboot I'm still not really that interested in it. I will probably still give it a shot just to give it a try. That doesn't mean I'll actually cover it on the show, but I'll give it a shot. But if there are other shows that you do really want me to recap on the podcast or other reality stars, I'm happy to branch out. I really only stick to Beverly Hills because I personally enjoy the show. The fandom is so intense that it's like less enjoyable to talk about it because I actually like all of these women. Garcelle, Sutton... Erica, Lisa, Kyle, Dereet, Crystal, Kathy. I think Kathy's enjoyable. Um, I actually really enjoy and like all of these women, and I enjoy watching all of them. What I don't like are the fucking fans on Twitter and on Instagram. Some of you guys are vile, nasty people. I'm just like, yo, it's okay. Breathe. It's a reality show. We don't have to get that intense about it. But it's taking the fun out of talking about the tea and chatting about these women. It's taking the fun out of it. I was not going back and forth, but I was kind of talking with somebody or responding to somebody on Twitter who's like, well, the issue is that they're problematic and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, the issue is problematic is not a real word. Problematic is a subjective term that people seem to change the definition of depending on how they want to use it that day. Like, what does problematic actually mean? Problematic, really, in today's world, problematic means I don't like that person and I don't like their behavior for whatever reason, for whatever you know, unresolved trauma it's triggering in me, from whatever projection I need to be putting on, from whatever's going on in my life that I need to spit vile venom at somebody else to make myself feel better, whatever it is, we've now come and put it under this umbrella term, called problematic and there's no real rubric for what problematic is or what problematic means. We've done the same thing with the term racist. I think it's so unfortunate. I've said this for years because I saw us coming into this this position where the term racist doesn't even really mean—it doesn't hold the weight that it once held. And it's unfortunate because racism is a real issue that needs to be addressed. But the thing is, when you tackle things onto it—like, I don't know how many times I've been called racist for what, saying Dubai was boring— and that's that's what makes me racist like it's so wild that we've taken these terms these big words and weaponized them in such a way that it really dilutes what the actual arguments are I've spoken about this for many years because I knew we were getting to this place and now we're here where these words don't hold the same weight that they used to and it's unfortunate because they need to be, like, there are people that need to be held accountable for their bad behavior. That doesn't mean that everybody that has an infraction is should automatically be canceled and dismissed for being problematic because here's the reality. We're all problematic. We've all said stupid shit. We've all made mistakes. We've all, I'm sure, had probably some deeply embedded racist thoughts. In our in our heads, like I just think that's part of the fabric of America. Unfortunately, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not endorsing it, and I'm not trying to excuse it. But I'm just saying that's kind of the reality of the culture that we're in, and we're all trying to learn and do better and be better because the things that were tolerable two years ago, three years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, it's not they're not tolerable anymore. However. That doesn't mean that we need to go so hard for every little minor infraction and, you know, blow it up and hyperbolize it to the point that we have because now it's just ridiculous, you guys, and you're taking the fun out of Housewives. I like Housewives. I like watching it and having fun. I like being able to say, you know what? This week was kind of boring, and that's okay. Or, you know what? This week was kind of good. Or, you know what? Erica looked fire in this episode without it having to have some dark undertone tone to it that we're giving like breathe chill have a you know take a deep breath (sighs) like everyone just (sighs) (sighs) see didn't that feel good think about three things that you're grateful for today smile at somebody walking across the street today you know if you feel real generous maybe buy somebody's coffee I don't know just do a good deed today Tell somebody good morning. Hold the door open for them, even if the person's an asshole and doesn't say thank you. Just spread a little more love and positivity. And that's why I know I do the, on Instagram, I do the the Instagram reels where I recap Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And if you notice, I don't really talk about like the heavy stuff. Like I don't talk about Crystal's eating disorder. I don't talk about like the things that people want to break apart about the episodes or the darkness of the episode. Again, I think previous seasons and previous episodes I've been way darker, but whatever. I don't focus on those things. I focus on the fun, lighthearted moments. I, you know, hyperbolize things that are fun to hyperbolize. I, you know, make light of it. Because Beverly Hills and the toxicity around it is so heavy and so dark um, that I think it's the point is it's possible to make light of these shows. It's possible to have a little fun. I know I've been guilty of getting caught up in the toxicity on Twitter as well. I'm not saying I'm perfect, you know, but... I'm setting a goal for myself to try and be more positive about these things and about these shows and to cover them as honestly and objectively as I can and inserting my opinion when I feel appropriate. Cause guess what? It's my fucking podcast and I can say whatever I want. Um, But I do hope you guys had a great weekend. I do hope you continue to have a good week. Send a little love to the people around you. And when I get a little negative, it's okay to be like, Hey, yo Zach, you're a little bit of a negative Nancy. Let me maybe reel that in a bit, but you know, I do throw a little shade. I am a little, I got a little bite to me. So that's still just going to be part of who I am. But I'm going to try to not be nasty and vile and awful to people on the Internet. Because why? Just why? Um The Kardashians, they just released a new teaser for their upcoming second season on Hulu, which looks pretty juicy. I love me some Kardashians. You know I do, which is why I'm... I want to cover Kardashians moving forward. So if you guys are interested or whatever shows, tell me. I hear selling Sunset of OC on Netflix is really good. So I might have to give that a try. But if there are reality shows or unscripted shows that you really want me to talk about, I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to incorporate that into the show with enough, you know, interest. But from the new season teaser, it looks like we get into the backlash that Kim faced from her get your ass up and work comment. We see behind the scenes of Courtney and Travis's wedding. Kyle and Kendall seem to be at odds. We see Kendall building her 818 empire, her tequila brand. Uh, Chloe seems to be dealing with the aftermath of Tristan. And listen, I assume we're going to be getting her surrogacy journey now that it's all out there. I'm pretty sure we're going to get some clips, but we have to get some clips about it. And I'm pretty sure in the finale we're going to see. It is interesting, though, because we don't see. And this is my theory a few weeks ago that Pete Davidson's going to be edited out of this most recent. Or not edited out, but edited down. Whereas I think their love story was probably going to be a lot more prominent this season. And now that they're broken up, that doesn't appear to be the case. Because now a lot of the recent teasers since the breakup haven't included Pete at all all except for that very first one which was again before their breakup was in, officially announced so i think my theory might check out we're gonna edit pete davidson out a bit that way, we wouldn't really showcase their um love story all right guys um thank you for listening to hashtag no filter with zach peter that is me and i love you I hope you had a wonderful weekend. As I said, I hope you get to try some Soju X O J O, or sorry, X O J U. Is how it's spelled. So if you guys want to check them out. Um, if you want some of my wine, head over to nofilterwine.com. If you want to keep up with me and get fun behind the scenes of these parties or behind the scenes of the building, the no filter empire, or just like fun neighbor stories, I can't dance naked in my shower anymore because Instagram's been getting mad at me. So I can't do those anymore. Um, but just fun, lighthearted content. You can follow me at Just Plain Zach, at Just Plain Zach. Or you can follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach there we have all the latest reality tea tidbits from the podcast all the latest juice as it's re- or all the latest teas it's ready to be spilled so go give us follow at no filter with zach that's less personal my personal one is at just plain zach again stock up on no filter wine at nofilterwine.com and stay tuned for more fun episodes but keep me posted on who you want to see on the podcast what you want what topics you want covered on the podcast Let me know. I'm here. I love you. I mean it. Ciao for now.